Chapter 5 Soul Trader The cigarette factory was a relic of the early years of the state, a dignified Art Deco construction of cheap yellow brick and concrete, built with very little money and an overblown notion of style. Its cousins were the Art Deco petrol stations dotted around the country, stepped facades of concrete backed by corrugated iron sheds. Like the cigarette factory, they had outlived their time. Before Soul Trader bought the site, the building had lain derelict for years. Demolition threatened, but the cigarette factory had the staying power of a long-term cancer patient. It wanted to be in the game. If Soul Trader's ethical vision had been a printed document, it would have had the girth of an airport novel. But its specifications on the reuse of old buildings was clear. Where possible, the company should adapt existing structures that had played a part in the history of their country. The cigarette factory ticked all the boxes. Leah rested her hand on the weathered brick as she passed. She respected its tenacity. Sometimes she could sense the ghosts of the workers in the older part of the building. Their breath smelt of cigarettes and tooth decay. Their presence felt like the aftermath of a ribald joke. Dirty minds, those girls, said her grandmother, who had grown up around the corner from the factory. Pity the young man walking by with his buttons undone. In those days, she said, you could tell which way the wind was blowing. Sometimes the city smelt of tobacco like new-mown hay. Sometimes of malted barley from the brewery. And occasionally, dreadfully, of glue. The smell of fresh tobacco still lingered in the corners of the building, especially in the meeting room at the front, that Leah had insisted should remain unchanged. Madison, Soul Trader's project manager, had looked at her bemused. No other aspect of Leah's design had been too strange for her, but an unchanged room, albeit conserved and stabilised, was a step too far. Soul Trader is all about change. Yes, said Leah but you don't have to change everything. Just explain to me what it's for. Leah thought wildly. All that she knew was that the room didn't want to be changed. The rest of the building was delighted. Continuity, she said at last. It's a continuity room. With post-Americans, Leah was beginning to learn, you just had to find the right words. Madison's face cleared as she wrote it down. A continuity room. Awesome. Getting Madison on board had been the most difficult part of the project. Madison came from Texas, and it was absolutely impossible to bullshit her. You'd need to be that sharp, Leah reckoned, if you were an African-American woman close to retirement age, in a position of authority over a young, male-dominated Irish workforce. Unlike her colleagues, Madison saw right through Leah's carefully orchestrated performance. She guessed, accurately, that the celebrity designer brother wasn't as heavily involved as Leah maintained that he was, but she kept this to herself. As far as Madison was concerned, Leah was getting the job done. Now Leah left Ethan Blake's wallet at the security booth with the best explanation she could muster. The security guard was new on the job. He looked her up and down. 
I'm trying to work out where I've seen you before. A while back, Leah sighed. I probably remind you of cheese. Those little triangles with the kid on the packet. Fake cheese. Retro packaging. The ad campaign had been dubbed the Calvita Revival, the resurrection of a 20th century product. She could almost locate the moment when she realised that identity was a saleable commodity. And she'd only been six. She mimicked the innocent grin drilled into her on the shoot. That's the one. Never forget a face. So you're an actress. Not really, said Leah. I did fashion modelling, but it's the cheese that people remember. A model? The security guard stared at her incredulously. Well, I suppose you've got the legs for it. I look different in photographs, said Leah, who had long since come to terms with the oddness of her face. It looked as if someone had taken her by the ears and pulled. But the camera liked her, and she knew how to move. For years, that had been her meal ticket. Glamour, she reflected, was a perceptual thing. Modelling was tough. It was sleeping in hostels and walking for miles between one gosi and another because you couldn't afford a taxi and never having enough to eat. It was long hours in waiting rooms with other hungry girls, keyed up on amphetamines, their breath smelling of mint and cigarettes. It was sitting under harsh lighting, having your hair pulled and your face pummeled and being talked about as if you weren't actually there. She learned to disassociate, erasing her personality so that something else stared blankly from behind her pale green eyes. And the photography that came from that time was extraordinary. She was an alien goddess, angular, golden and raw. But there had come a time when she couldn't be that anymore. Leah wheeled her bike to the back of the site. This is where the real business of Soul Trader took place. The main building was just as it had been. Even the square clock over the entrance, made of a forerunner of plastic, had been expensively brought back to life. But all the outbuildings behind it had been torn down and replaced with a new structure that had the scale and fluidity of an airport terminal. It had been designed by a pair of talented but almost indistinguishable Italian architects. At first, Leah had found Giovanni and Marco intimidating. Then she realised that they took themselves so seriously that she could get away with almost anything, provided she dressed correctly. Leah attended meetings in rectangular glasses, a nondescript puffer jacket that would have cost her three months' wages had she paid for it and androgynous shoes. The outfit was borrowed on the pretext of a fashion shoot by a friend that still worked in that industry. Martha was one of the constants in Leah's life. When, at the age of 14, Leah was picked up by a modelling agency, Martha went with her to make sure that it wasn't a paedophile ring and discovered that she had a way with clothes. Being steady in character, she had found her place in the industry while Leah had been spat out in fragments that had never quite reassembled themselves. Two years ago, when Ronan vanished, and Leah was left in charge of the sole trader contract, Martha had helped pick up the pieces. In the projects they had done between them, Ronan had always been the one who presented to clients. 
After all those years of overexposure, Leah liked to stay in the background, and somebody, she once told her brother, needed to point out the plot holes in his splendid design narratives. Remember when you took out the supporting wool? Ronan grinned. I need a supporting wool. That's why I brought you back from Japan. But you're getting seriously good at this. How about we co-present the next season of Design Bitch? I'll pitch it to them. The producers were all over the idea. Oh my God, there's two of them. And they made a pilot episode, but then Ronan disappeared and the hardship set in. In the aftermath of all that, the sole trader contract was the only possible route from bankruptcy and the repossession of premises. Negotiating it had been Ronan's final contribution to lawless design. Several weeks after he went missing, Leah realised that it was no longer possible to postpone the meeting with the team at Soul Trader HQ. She perched on the high salon chair in front of the mirror and stared into her own reddened eyes. I totally don't feel up to this. It doesn't really matter how you feel, so long as you look the part. Martha twisted her bushy hair into severity. And you do look the part. Your face is iconic. My face is weird. Martha laughed. That too. Hold still. Leah held still while Martha brushed her cheekbones with instant glow. Pretend you're back on the catwalk, Martha suggested. No one else knows you're bluffing. Swing from the hips and scowl. Leah stared dubiously into the mirror, wishing that her face looked as good in real life as it did in photographs. I'm not sure that I can do this without Ronan. I'm not sure you can either, said Martha, but you might as well give it a lash. (laughs) 